0: phoenix house's ability to accurately communicate with my mother the importance of not enabling me Mm -hmm. is entirely what i believe saved my life Mm. and obviously that has a lot to do with like my mom's ability to listen to that information
1: Mm -hmm. but
0: like yeah if my mom had just let me come back home no shot i was staying Mm -hmm. sober yeah there's no way like i just believe that in, in my spirit and like like my mom making the hard choices for like what was best for my for my life, my happiness, my longevity, yeah. you know, my relationships. Uh, her, Because she needed to make the hard choice because I, I couldn't make it. Yeah. I didn't even know what the hell was going on, you know. So like because my mom, my mom talks about that uh, pretty consistently, um, especially since I started doing the podcast, like how thankful she is that she listened to what the professionals were telling her to do with me because mm-hmm. she would have messed it up. Mm-hmm. And I definitely would have messed it up. But mm-hmm. so the ability to remain teachable and to walk through the fire um, on my side and on her side is really what, what put me in a position to, to be where I'm at today, you know, happy, joyous, and free, and, and sober, you mm-hmm. know, and have a terrific relationship with, with old Madre.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, shout out, Meredith.
0: Yeah, shout out, Ooh, shout I out. I love
1: yeah. her name. Yeah, yeah. We've got, we got a couple...
0: <laughs> Number one spot contenders, both named Meredith. That's true.
1: Yeah. Well, she takes the number one. She she because it's hard, you know, being a parent and making that choice. Like you love your kid, you want them, especially when they're well and they've done some work away from home. That you're like, ah, come on back, you know. But in reality, like in your case, you had some younger siblings at home, and it was a risk, you know, and it was what you needed you know you needed to go out and because you had turned 18 is that right like in treatment
0: yeah i turned 18 and i graduated high school, high school. That's all right all in phoenix house all God in treatment bless.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> all in treatment but um but yeah and and so i i think that that's huge that your mom was able to draw that boundary that in parents that i work with the ones that do have to make those hard choices, and but actually hold the boundary that they set. I, I see success much more than a parent who's like, "Okay, we'll give it a shot," and then we, you know, um, sometimes it works out, and sometimes it just doesn't. Um, but boundaries are are everything, and I think that that and remind me too when you were leaving, what was. Like what got you to go to sober living? Was it your family, or you wanted it?
2: Um, I feel like it was my sponsor okay. number one, Josh Clement. Good guy. Shout yes. yes, and also I just I think I was so broken. Mm. Like I had reached the conclusion that everything I know doesn't work, mm. and I need help. Whether that was from you, Josh, or my family. I, I was just willing to do it or the justice system, you know, I had to turn myself in and every, I was just willing to do whatever it took. Yeah. And I had no idea what sober living was, Yeah. you know, I, and, but my Josh said, he did it. It's a great idea. And I was like, okay, let's try it out. And thankfully our house was, was, was live. So fun. It <laughs> rare find. Yeah. Not, not the house itself but just the, the moment game. in time. Mm-hmm. Yes. You don't find that often. Yeah. At least in my in my opinion. Like what everyone was basically under 30 there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and some of the people didn't care still were friends mm-hmm. with them, but then you had like me, John, Michael Jackson, who, <laughs> Michael Jackson, there we go. <laughs> and who just, we were just about it. Well, maybe not Michael at first, but Michael was still like there and still ready to have fun. Like he wasn't like a, an asshole, you know, trying to be a gangbanger. Yeah. You know, he was like willing to joke around and do whatever it took. And then Kyle Grusleski came along, rest in peace. Like it, it was, it was a time, you know, and it was, it was very quickly. Uh, recognizable as the right decision for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I think that's awesome because you don't, again, like sometimes when you're working with someone, they're super resistant to the recommendations, especially a teen, right? So we want to partner with the parent and, and armor them up to say, nope, this is the way it's going to be, you know? Um, and we see that to be a lot more helpful than if the parent caves you know and then gives in or anything like that but for you you're in a different place yeah
2: yeah but like what is the what's the whole thing with parents that because i'm not a parent i don't know yeah you know the closest thing i have to a kid is a little brother and sister you know yeah yeah. i don't know what it's like to have that relationship and just have that fear yeah my parents were fine they let me like they held boundaries without ever talking to anybody yeah i don't know how but so what is it that parents can do like how can they approach that that decision Mm -hmm. a little bit easier to where it's reachable because it gets tough yeah especially with how many like people are dying yeah nowadays so like how can they approach that a little bit easier like what would you tell a parent
1: um i think that uh number one uh, for parents there's resources out there for them um so if they're like is this the right move or should I do this? You know, like, so for right now, the program that I'm at right now, we have free parent support groups, um, throughout the week. And we have a parent coordinator who is incredible. Uh, her name's Becky. Shout out Becky. Ooh, Love you. Becky. Um, and, um, you met her. Um, and yes. so, um, but she, you know, she's a wealth of information. She's in recovery herself. And then she's in what she calls parent recovery. She had a, a teen that um, needed help. And so um, I would definitely recommend that they reach out to... Um, you know, just like resources, there's Al-Anon, there is, um, there's a podcast. I love Brad Reedy. He runs a, a program, but he also wrote the book Journey of the Hero- Heroic Parent. Um, and he has a, a podcast that I listened to on my way here today, actually. Uh, it's called Finding You. Uh, and he, he has a evoke therapy, um, program, evoke, E V O K um and so listen to those podcasts in fact he talked about boundaries on the podcast today so um find out find resources um do your own work get in therapy yourself um find you know like i was saying alan groups um and 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 then yeah armor up you know there's there's like uh there's ed consultants you can you know if you have um Financial resources, there are some really great ones that are out there um, that can walk the line with you and give you guidance. Um, and I've worked with some, some really great ones to help families and teens. So, yeah.
2: But how do you make it important? Like, how do you... All these resources are great. Yeah. But how do you get them to even consider it? Like, what is on the line? How okay. do you convince them that they should even start that journey?
1: Yeah. Okay, this program that I'm consulting with right now, who's opening an adolescent uh, uh, IOP, they are implementing at admission, they are saying you're going to have your own work and you're going to need to participate in family therapy in parent support groups and your own homework you, you and we're going to give them a, a list of books and and things that they need to be doing and if the parent isn't going to commit to coming to their part then they're not going to admit the kid and i think that's i mean it's a hard line but it's like if you got a 15 year old and they're coming back to your house you need to do your own work as well and you need to be prepared for that and i just think that's it's a really important piece so they might come and it's just like kids, you know, they might come and they might, you know, we might give them all the tools and they might choose not to do it. It's just like a teen coming into treatment or anyone coming into treatment. You're gonna lay out, you know, what what your plan is to help them. And in eventually it's the individual's choice if they're gonna implement what you're giving them, you know?
0: Yeah, I will say that um, in, in my experience of, of working in treatment is I can do a few months of really great work with a guy just for it to all go out of the window because their parents or their wife or whoever yeah. is unwilling to like do their part, do their part as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and it's and it's aggravating because uh it is a family disease it affect like like my alcoholism and drug addiction affected so much more than just myself but it's important to understand as well that sometimes the families are or are, are, are just as sick in a different way
1: yeah
0: you know um and and yeah to, every, everybody needs to do like like their their part you know takes a village raise a child type mm-hmm. of type of ideology there yeah and you know uh if i'm just gonna send them to rehab and expect them to come out and, and everything. Now now they're cured. It's like, that's just an unrealistic expectation, you know, in, in my experience. And so it's a continuation for both the individual and, you know, and the family um, to continue to working on themselves with the goal in mind of like, you know, life is just going to get tremendously better if we can walk through this pain right now.
1: Yeah, right. I totally agree. Did that answer your question? I mean, you can't make anyone do anything, right? You can't make anyone. And that's the thing is we're only in charge of our own selves, you know, and we can guide and we can, you know, again, listen and validate oh wow it is it is hard to have a teen that is struggling with substances you know um but you're not in it alone and that's the thing is many people just try to like do what they feel is the right thing without using those resources they're there for a reason um so get the word out about great parent resources parent recovery is a thing
2: yeah so what you're saying is that it's equally important Mm-hmm. With the parents to play their part for the success of the greater goal.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The parallel process. That's a it's a book um, that I recommend all parents read. The parallel process because it's a parallel process. Like you can't do it on your own. Your teen can't be over there doing their work and then you expect them to just come home and voila. And so that book is all about doing your own your your part as well. So. Mm.
2: What are the books you got there?
1: I'm a visual person, and I also uh, (laughs) forget names. I know, obviously, Brad Reedy's book. I love it, it's great. Journey of the Heroic Parent. I would highly, highly recommend it. There's another one that's really helpful for parents beyond addiction. Uh, and then like I said, Parallel Process is what this little book looks like too. Those are uh, kind of my go-tos when I'm working with parents that are like, ah, what do I do? Or what is this thing? Um, those are three really, really great books to, to start with. And then like I was saying, the pod- there's like podcasts. There's blogs. There are whatever. podcasts. There are podcasts. There are podcasts. Yeah, but there are podcasts for parents, you yes, know? Yes, um yes. and so Brad Reedy, um just Google or search him up in your your Spotify or Apple Music and uh it's a really great podcast. Is that wedding ring, see you're not married. <laughs> oh no. Better put it back no. on. There you go, you're married again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was a close one. That
1: was a close one. Yeah. What if it what under the I
2: almost proposed to John right there. <laughs> The moment you were. Single. Hey, when are
1: you getting yours?
2: Yeah, fool. I don't know. You got to ask Megan about that. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll get her on the <coughs> podcast next. Yeah, we, yeah, we got to get Megan on the I podcast. I need to meet her next. Yeah. I can't believe you haven't met her.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometime
2: yeah. in December. We'll get married next year.
1: Oh, I was going to say.
2: No. Okay. No, 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 no,
1: no. My invitation got lost in the mail.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that'll be a fun time. Um. Okay, well, let's see. I think that's everything that we wanted to talk about. Is there anything specifically that you wanted to talk about?
1: Um, Like anything
2: on your notes that we haven't covered?
1: No, I talked about parents. And I would say, too... um, I thought it was important that a lot of times it's important for parents to remember that at the end of the day, that's still your child, you know, and they might be covered by the veil of addiction and substance use and some challenging behaviors, but it's still your child and connect with them. Uh, I, I feel like the connection and the power of attachment that you have in that child Take them to go, you know, whatever it is, go do something, right? Uh, Connect with them before you're looking at, like, what's right or wrong or good or bad. You know, that attachment piece is so important. And so don't allow that veil of addiction to really push you away. If anything, this is the time to draw them in. Well, it's
2: kind of a weird scenario because you have kids who are... <clears throat> who who I don't want to say necessarily blame the parents, but they want nothing to do with that figure yeah. because it's different than what they want to do by themselves, like drugs and uh, acting a fool or doing what they want with, with the freedom that they're barely getting the opportunity to experience. You know, like I mm-hmm. I never uh, went out late until I was like 16, 17, but like my 14, 15-year-old friends were like, their parents didn't really care. They're skating or whatever. And then you got the parents who they're looking at the kids like you're doing me wrong because now now i'm suffering and then the kids are like well i'm suffering Mm -hmm. and you want to change that so it's like you you enter this process just button heads yeah right Mm
1: -hmm. like Mm -hmm. i mean that
2: has to be a difficult scenario
1: Mm -hmm. Mm because you go
2: to the i never liked family therapy sessions Mm -hmm. because i felt like it was just an opportunity for my parents to be like yeah this is how it made me feel and the, like I feel like everybody was attacking me you know and then if I didn't listen to my parents like we're back at square one where we were where I just didn't listen yeah you know
1: yeah F- family therapy can be hard because it does it feels a little like we're just shooting you know pointing fingers and all of that stuff but but if you find a really good family therapist who plays more of a neutral role they can validate both sides of it and and keep the marbles on the table if you will you know um, and keep the, the family intact for for a good family session but it's challenging um and and that's what i was saying is is don't allow that and those behaviors to push you away to where you are uh you know just so disconnected from your child and they're in fear of getting honest with you i work with some really great parents now that have this relationship with a routine where they can say like hey I messed up last night and here's what's going on. Or, hey, I'm thinking about it. You know, I'm really craving and I want to, and, and they're not in fear going to their parent to say that because the parent is secure and they have been doing their own work. So they're able to say, well, let's go, you know, let's go to a meeting tonight or let's go, Whatever it is, you know, let's get out of the house, let's go take care of ourselves, let's put some action right now since you're going through this, but the parents that have that huge reaction that are like, oh, what you know they're they're all they're doing is chasing their kid away, and their kid's not gonna be coming to them in those vitally important moments, you know they've just created a huge um a huge canyon between the two of them, you know, so uh, that's the main thing that I want to arm our parents with is. Uh, watch your own stuff because that heal your own trauma you know oh uh, that's a heavy statement Mm -hmm, you know (laughs) mm -hmm. but it's true you know because that pops up and then here we are and we're just recreating the cycle and so uh i i always tell my parents to do your do your own work and don't like watch that draw them in don't push them away because you're just pushing them right out the door so
2: can we talk about trauma for a second yeah sure so i feel like there's a a stigma with trauma like trauma is just this really big word you know mm-hmm. like people associate trauma with rape molestation <clears throat> or like drowning whenever i drown like you know big t trauma and then you like this new concept is which i don't believe is a new concept i think they just put a label to something of the little t trauma yeah. <clears throat> so the stuff that um, isn't as drastic or big right. but wouldn't you say that trauma is just very simply defined as like an event or a circumstance that then shaped the way you think at any level like it's not this big thing but it's just stuff that happened either once or over a course of a period of time that now you think and behave differently because of the impression that that had upon you so when you say heal trauma it's like, oh, that sounds like a big fucking thing. Yeah, but it doesn't always have to be yeah. right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great point. I think, like, uh, like my generation is, I think, doing a pretty good job at starting to work through things, you know. But I think of my parents' generation, and and then my grandmother. My grandmother um, went through some crazy traumas as a child, and. Um, and she's the most beautiful woman and she's so powerful and so strong and so kind and she didn't allow those traumas to um change who she is but she you know through her experiences then the way she parented was different towards my mom because of the way that she was raised and then and then it's kind of come down you know it's just gone through the family system but there's this huge illusion that oh it's so scary trauma you know um but really it's it's important work and it can be like you were saying like it could be something that it, how you interpreted it was something that was hard or difficult or challenging or whatever it is, you know, resulted in a behavior change or, you know, um, a life altering change sometimes, you know, but, um, I think that it is important for us to address that. And I think that I see that in my, my generation, like we're, there are, they're recognizing the patterns and they're wanting to make changes, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's this big. I don't think it's this big. It could just be a couple little things that happen over and over, like annoyances even, to where you're now closed off from uh, talking to certain people because they exhibit these same behaviors that you were already fed up with at a minor level. Therefore, you avoid the connection. You avoid that interaction. You avoid that situation entirely because in your mind, it's, not something that you want to do or be a part of anymore because you're already so annoyed with it.
1: Mm-hmm. As a
2: result, you miss out on that entire experience. Mm-hmm. More importantly, you miss out on being proven wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if we just keep going through our life with the expectation, I know how this ends and I'm not going to go down that path because of it. I mean, we're just missing out and we're staying in our like narrow lane. And it just, se- it just seems... Uh, it doesn't seem conducive at all for opening yourself up to the endless possibilities and varieties of what life has to offer you or like the human relation has to offer you with other people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You said it perfectly. Beautifully.
2: I'm in trauma therapy. <laughs> I'm in trauma therapy.
1: I've always said you need to be a therapist. Uh-uh. I know you won't, but no. you need to... You you have a beautiful way at looking at things and, and verbalizing. I guess you do that through sponsorship, you know, maybe with your sponsees, but a beautiful way at like looking at things differently, using perspective, and then um, almost like verbalizing. I mean, you, you, you have changed my life through, Having hard conversations and telling me things that I didn't want to hear or think about, and you were that person. And many times when I tell the story of what you told me, people are like, "What?" And I'm like, "But that is the cool thing about you is you can say it, and I know that it comes from love and uh, from the best intentions and uh, and." We need therapists that aren't scared to have hard conversations because sometimes it can be a little intimidating, you know, um but you do a beautiful job saying like, "Don't be selfish <laughs>
2: <laughs> He does yeah, well, thanks, yeah, thanks, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a culmination of growth over mm-hmm. the last nine years almost yeah. same with John, you know john beautiful he John articulates hope better than any... Because John has a big uh, goal of just putting things in their most simple form. Yeah. I remember one time I called John and he was like, okay. Like Like, I vented to him for a second. He's like, okay, let me get this down to its most simple form. So... This is what we're talking about, right? And then he just went from there. <laughs> and that's just stuck with me ever since.
1: Yeah. And you know, John, I think too, like you I can remember a time when there was this kid that came in, uh, gosh, he really needed help and he was really in a rough spot and you took him on as a sponsee. And I was like, at my house on the weekend. And this kid wanted to run away and uh, you sat and listened. I think we talked on three way for like 30 minutes, you know, and the kid did end up running away, but you did a beautiful job. Like, I do love that about you where you're just like, this is it. This, And you do make it very simple and clear, especially for teens that are taking their first toe dip into the 12 steps and, and don't even know which way is up sometimes. You do a really great job at just simplifying it and... Making it uh, attractive, too, you know, where they want to do it. Talk about the uh, cooking wine and <laughs> your adventures. And this using- is not a time to
2: bring that story up.
1: <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, share your experience. And then the kids are like, ah, you know, like, uh, that's a lot like me, you know.
2: Is there an opposite to trauma? Because when we think about, like, negative yeah. experiences, whether yeah. it's minor, like, annoyances from many people or whatever to big things. Is there what is there an opposite word for trauma because when I think about like what you just said with John yeah 30 minutes of a conversation took him on like yeah. one small thing from John has this massive impact and I know like people that are kind to me ha- that do very minor things you know have a huge impact on me over time even and so is there is, is there like an opposite word I don't even if, if that's even the correct thing to ask but because it makes you think every little thing you do matters, yeah. Whether it's on the negative spectrum side of the spectrum or the positive side of the spectrum, you know. And that sounds kind of cliche, like smiling, saying thank you, and stuff. But yeah. then, like you're, then you're a dick, and it's like, okay, yeah, they're gonna remember that too.
1: Yeah. You know. So yeah. it's like
2: every little thing you do just seems to be huge, massive. Mm. And I don't know if there's like another word that's trauma, or if it's. Positive trauma,
0: you know. <laughs> I actually, I actually have a a, a response for that question. Can okay, I go for uh, it. Because it's something that I, that I that I have been working on in therapy. But uh, so Jack's my my therapist. Um, she'll she'll call him glimmers. Right, so I have like traumatic experiences, which can be small or big, and I'll take them home and I'll think about them. Or in my day to day life, they'll affect my my actions or how I engage with people. Um, and so, like we we've been going through this practice of like identifying glimmers of like moments that I feel happiness or joy or you know just a, a positive one, and then being really intentional about thinking about that moment throughout the day. So you know, like for for example not going to get terribly into it but on uh on tuesday i had a really hard conversation with with my old man uh to the point where i had to leave work because i was not in a good place and Mm -hmm. i was just rummaging around the old brain about it but then wednesday night i go over to you know our our buddy's house who just had their their second kid and i'm holding like little dude his name's mason he's amazing and like i'm just filled with all this like happiness Mm -hmm. and joy and so like Instead of Like whenever I started thinking about The the stuff I went through with my dad I would uh, replace it with Thinking about old Mason And like you know Just just remembering that that glimmer You know where, where I felt really nice Felt really happy Very content And like a whole bunch of love and stuff And so like you know um and just finding that in like all types of different places like whether it's a good conversation at, at work as opposed to like focusing on the bad one which mm-hmm. i can i can do often where I'm like, man, that was a hard conversation or man that guy really annoyed me it's like well i had a great conversation with so and so and it was you know it was beautiful and, and fantastic and so like trying to you know for me like replace those negative you know you know traumatic you know deals with with what Jax calls glimmers um, has been really beneficial to to me, not getting in like a really bad uh, headspace or staying in a bad headspace. Glimmers,
1: oh, there you go. Glimmers, yeah, glimmers. I like that. What a what a good therapist. A
0: glimmers of hope, dude.
1: Yeah, glimmers of hope. But you know, I also like think of like DBT, right? Where like it's possible for two things to be true at the same time. Like we can have like bad some things go down but then we also have glimmers you know we have big t's going on but we have some glimmers going on maybe at the same time you know um but but i do like that term that's that's nice glimmers so i'm like ah good glimmers
2: so for everybody listening try and recognize if you're providing trauma for somebody or (laughs) you're providing glimmers Glimmers. for somebody (laughs) there you go everything you do matters you will make an impression either on yourself or somebody else whether you like it or not
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stay hard stay hard
0: who's gonna push the boats
1: <laughs> what it's
0: a david goggins deal oh i
1: don't know what that is
0: stay hard's also a david goggins deal
1: okay love you both damn i love you yeah
0: thank you
2: meredith
1: bro. yeah thank you